Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. We go, Rich. We ten hit the halfway mark of the season. We're we're getting on to the back stretch, especially for for fantasy here. Uh, Downhill towards you. Yeah, last last little bit of the regular season, heading into fantasy playoffs soon. Uh, halfway point of the NFL regular season. So, how are we doing today? Good. Yeah, you know, I feel like you know the, the things get good. We always it's also whenever we accumulate information. Like I always feel like you know that's like when I'm strongest. That's when I play the strongest. Hopefully, my analyst analysis is as good. I know I'm more of a, the fantasy head here, but uh, I feel like the analysis gets better as we pick up all these data points as we move on. And now we've got a real firm grasp on what the season is. Do we? No. Yeah, it's bad. It's not. It's not how good football is being played. That's what I can tell you. Yeah, so we, we we can confirm there is not always good football. Being but played. even when there's league-wide bad football, in context, there are good, bad teams. Sure. And that's <laughs> and that's where we are looking at uh, at this slate of we're games. We're starting off yeah. with Panthers-Falcons uh, this week. We aren't going to talk about that because, you know, we record on Thursdays anyway, so we don't have the, the evergreen life to talk about the Thursday night games. And, but, yeah, I mean, the, these Thursday games that we've rolled out this year, whoo! baby and i know it's kind of like a like a, a joke it's like almost tongue-in-cheek like oh the thursday game's bad but like they really have been like god awful this year yeah i think you <laughs> just also see one it's still that concerted effort to get every team on thursday night so yeah. it's not like a you know a sunday night or, or even a monday night where there's still are bad teams playing but i think when you take that and you also get the short week i think we're seeing how that actually impacts plays like last week the eagles they started real slow against yeah. houston um and eventually they turned it on and that second half kind of turned into more of what we should have expected but like there is clearly an impact of how even the good teams are playing on thursday night and we're not getting a lot of good teams playing on thursday night so you add all of those together and and thursday night games have have felt even thursday year uh than than they usually have in, in the past couple of years and that's kind of that's just where we are right now i think in the, in the 2022 nfl season yeah you know not anyone that you know there's definitely falcons fans that are excited the way things have gone out I'm not trying to take anything away from you enjoying tonight's game panthers fans i don't know what to tell you oh yeah i mean i'm gonna watch every snap of this game but it's not going to be good I was, you know, willing to give the Panthers the benefit out for a couple weeks, and then last week was like, oh yeah, okay, I remember, I remember what this really is. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> so let's, uh, since we're not going to talk about that game, um, let's let's move on to uh, some of the other games that are on Sunday that we are going to talk about. But when you look at this slate again, we kind of feels like we say this almost every week. Like the, the slate, there's not really a standout game. Uh, here so i'm let's maybe start with the early game because we have a a germany game uh this week and it is seattle and tampa which is when i think we would have looked at this game uh earlier in the season it is not something we would have maybe been interested in and i think that there would have been uh, an expected favorite here and obviously tampa is still favored in this game but Seahawks Buccaneers is uh, way more exciting or interesting, I guess, just from a a grand point of view than it would have been when we kind of saw this matchup uh, when the schedule first came out. 
Yeah, I mean, I still think people largely are in belief that the Bucks are like at least a decent to good team, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's not like a situation where like the Rams, where the Rams literally are, are kind of just bleeding out all over the place. Like we know the Bucks defense is good. We know Tom Brady's still playing really well. I mean, if you watch, like Brady, Brady's not like he doesn't look washed at all. Like he, there's really like that's not right. the issue. Yeah, uh, they just are. They're just making mistakes. And they're leaving stuff on the field like repeatedly. Like that's happening every week. But I think for the most part, people still believe the Bucks are like a good, at least a good NFC team, right? Uh, so we've got to. We know <laughs> right. the, the that, that bar is slightly <laughs> lower, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and the Seahawks we've been talking about for weeks. Like this is sustain. Like what they're doing is sustainable. You know, Pete Carroll is doing a fantastic job. I I was actually happy to see him come out and like kind of troll like you know all of us a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I enjoy it. They're having fun. Geno's playing amazing, and the coaching like that. They're coaching optimal game plans on a weekly basis. Uh, which we love to see. So I'm excited to see them, you know, go against this Bucks defense. Because uh, the Seahawks, as good as they've been, they've faced a couple of defenses here that, like, really aren't very good. So I'm excited to see them pay, face this Bucks defense because this Bucks defense is really good. I mean, they're six in the NFL and points allowed per drive. Uh, they got Carlton Davis back, who isn't playing the best football that he, he did for, for the previous couple of years. But, like, just having him back on the field is another you know, another asset to the defense. They got Akeem Hicks back a couple weeks ago. So, like, this Bucks defense is still really good, and I'm excited to see the Seattle offense go up against this defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you – one of the interesting things about, I think, Seattle and how they've been playing is the past two weeks, the passing offense hasn't been great. Right. Or at least like not to the extent that it was over, you know, the, the first couple weeks of the season. I think you look at, um, you know, Geno Smith's uh, EPA per play over the past two weeks, negative oh six, and that's 23rd uh, among quarterbacks. So it's just but they're still finding ways to win, which I think kind of goes to your point of how well coached this team has been and, and how prepared they've been just kind of all over. And uh, I think we wrote about it in, in first and 10. Uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Just, they're finding different ways to win, right? It, in the beginning of the year, it was that offense was, it was just the lighting things up and we had a, a lot of scoring while the defense was, was figuring things out. And that was the one thing we kind of always talked about the defense. Just, it, it wasn't going to have enough talent to maybe be good in year one. And now over the past couple of weeks, like this defense is, I don't want to say like legitimately good, but like, the the talent is is coming through right we see you know Tariq to, to Woolen and I, we've talked about this a whole bunch but just so many different little pieces are doing exactly what they need to do uh, on this defense you look at like uh Ichenna Nuoso is is coming on as a you know uh, a pass rusher it's just all of these little things are are coming on for Seattle and they're just they're winning in different ways which I think is really I think the highlight of what the Seahawks team uh, has been and then you look at, uh, you know, what's going on with Tampa. Like you said, they they are continually the team that's underperforming that we think is going or is at least most likely to turn it around. But we've been saying that for also like four weeks now, and they haven't completely clicked. But yet, they, they you know, they still look better than the Packers. They still look better than the Rams. So there there is that that little bit and we of, kind of we believe they're gonna win the division i think largely that's the thing right yeah they they're probably going to get into the playoffs just because they so you're giving that team a chip in a chair where we can't say that about the we can't say that about the packers we can't say that about the rams right like the bucks we still believe are going to get a seat 
into the dance. Right. And, and at that point, if you're in there, yes. just a couple of things break right. You have a, a Mike Evans game. You have uh, like maybe, if you if the Bucks play the Vikings in the first week, like they'll probably be favored. Right. Well, yeah. Well, they, they wouldn't play in the first games. They're both You're right. Yeah. Players. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like but, if, right. If they end up playing, like the Vikings could have a 12 and 5 record, right? And be right. A but what do we, well, like a uh, Bucks Giants? Yes. Game yep. in, in yeah. The yeah. Yeah. The playoffs. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like that's what we're looking at. So, yeah. Um, so that that's the difference in the NFC a little bit. But I think you kind of look at what. Because they already beat the Falcons, they already beat the Saints. So, like in the construct of the NFC South, like they still are a leg up. Yeah, absolutely, and that that is part of where where the difference is. And but I think just overall as a team, even if it wasn't that that they'd have you know that division lead, uh, it, it still just feels like there's enough pieces in Tampa that they just kind of need to figure it out. Like the whole, we don't want to get into like a, a establish the run, like. <laughs> conversation here but it just kind of is part of like a fundamental misunderstanding of what tampa bay should be doing well and maybe at you know 55 years old you don't want tom brady throwing 700 times a game or, or in the season again um but when you like are trying to force the run the way they are yeah and it's not even like it's an inefficient run game Right, it's not like a below average run game. They are the worst in the league when they try to run on early downs. So you're now putting the team in third and long, and like that's not what you want to be doing. That is making the offense worse, uh, and and you're doing that by design. And that's just kind of where we are with Tampa. They're just like we we talk about all these other teams that aren't, and, and Seattle is one of them. You're just pulling every lever correctly to put everyone in position to play either the best they can or like better than we would expect. Tampa Bay has been doing the complete opposite. And it really comes down a lot to that, that offensive play calling and, and the, the frame of mind they have of how they're going into this game. And it's just, they are, it just completely puts them in, in third and long so often. And then you're really forcing everyone to, to create these one-on-ones. And that's also what this yeah. Tampa Bay offense is right now. Like no one's getting schemed open at all like this is mike evans you are great winning downfield in these contested catches we're going to pray that you can do that chris godwin has like a four a dot right now and like he's not winning or really like getting open to that extent um they've maybe figured out the kate otten should be like a tight end but they haven't had like a tight end option all year um there's so there's just like not really going on when tampa's trying to pass the ball either so if these guys aren't individually winning on their own like that that's where this is going on so like they they need some help a a little bit and it needs to come from somewhere and tampa just hasn't figured out which lever to be pulling to make that happen yeah, 100%. I mean, we saw in the offseason how they tried to, you know, calibrate for the losses that they had offensively with Gronk leaving and obviously what happened to Antonio Brown. And Russell Gage hasn't worked out. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been able to play. Julio went a whole basically gap where he couldn't play, and then he's banged up. You know, he's out of the game. They're relying on, you know, Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman again, right? Like they're in yeah. the, the bag of those guys. And Godwin coming off of the ACL, MCL injury is a dude like we should expect him to, to be kind of not the apex Chris Godwin and that we haven't gotten that. 
And that's why his, you know, a dot yards after the catch have just been plummeted. I mean, he's averaging 4.9 yards after the catch. Uh, last year it was six, six yards. Uh, they've just resorted to getting screens with him because he can't get open on anything right now. Yeah. Like, so it's, then it's just down to Evans, right? Like, and then Evans wing outside. And like, this has been the spot where Seattle has been their best, right? We've talked about it. Like defending perimeter wide receivers has been their MO and, that's what stymied Arizona again last week. You know, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had the touchdown last week, but Cliff lined him up outside again the entire game. And guess what? He had his worst game since he's been back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Bucks. when you look at it structurally, like, yeah, what are they going to scheme up here? Because you're just not going to line Mike Evans up and have him win against the guy that can match his length. Now, Mike Evans is going to win his share of matchups, but, like, it's not an optimal matchup to just have him go one-on-one and win against the length of Tariq Wollin. Yeah, I just want to say, I, let's look at the the past two weeks. Godwin and Evans have run the most routes uh, of anyone uh, in, in the NFL. Um, you know, Godwin does have uh, just 1.11 yards per route run, which is you know, below average. Uh, 2.9 yard A dot. Yeah. Over the past two weeks, um, of 42.9% of his targets at or behind the line of scrimmage, 42.9 percent of his targets um between one to ten air yards so that's just that's the way they're using it it's it's tough to win that way when you don't have someone who can threaten in that way um and like you said you're you're relying on and even even if they don't you know match him up against woolen which you saw they kind of you know seattle sticks to sides um we we saw that uh we saw the giant we talked about the giants two weeks ago just completely avoided that side of the field um but you know uh, kobe bryant's coming on on the other side like seattle has guys that can like they have these athletic guys who can kind of match up a little bit and and that might be uh, a bit of a it's going to be hard i I think because it's just Tampa's just not doing itself any favors. Like everyone just has to be playing at their best in order for this to work out. And they just aren't at the point where these guys are doing that. Yeah, 100%. I don't think this is a game where we see the Bucks like magically, like this is the game where they score 30, right? I no. definitely don't believe that. This is a game where they're either. probably going to win. If they do win, uh, you know, in the low 20s, probably a game of the teams, because like I said, the other side is the Seattle side. That's probably the more in- intriguing side is, Seattle facing a good defense because you go up and down their schedule. They faced two good defenses the entire year. And it came at the front of the season and they scored 17 and seven points in those games. So they, how they've now calibrated where they are now from the front of the season going against the best defense they faced in several weeks is probably more of the intriguing side. Yeah. And, and Tampa's still, I think kind of figured out some, some things on, on defense too, because they haven't been maybe as good as you it's still the same thing. They're not as good of a unit as they are. Like when you look at specific players that they might have. Right. So obviously what they did to the Rams and the Rams are just falling apart on offense at at all points. Um, So turns out Van Jefferson did it. Wasn't the solution. Yeah. Um, it was it's to that point, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting because I, I think there are still some pieces that you can kind of pick apart. Like you said, Carlton Davis not playing super well. Jamel Dean playing great. Yeah, um, Jamel Dean's been awesome. Yeah, man, that, that's one of those things where like he's been their best corner for like a couple years, even though Davis got the, some of the hype and, and more of the 
attention. He's my underrated cornerback. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm going to have a, a midseason all pro team up <laughs> uh, on Thursday. Uh, and he is second going to be on my second team all pro, which I probably could have made the case where maybe he could have snuck in first team also. So like he's been playing real well. Like you can kind of pick on Carlton Davis a little bit. You can still pick on, you know, whoever they're lining up in, in the slot. So uh, that that's going to be, you know, in an interesting matchup, I, I think. And um, it's just when you look at it, it's it's a lot of what we've just kind of seen in the NFL overall. One team that's has all these little different things and playing more than the sum of its parts. And then a team on the other side that's doing, you know, the exact opposite. And I think like we have a lot of teams in the NFL right now that either fall into one of those two buckets. Um, so. Let's, let's but it's made it interesting because, like, uh, what we talked about on the, the uh, podcast as of last night, like, coach of the year is probably the, the most like candidates ever because of the season. You can make a, a legitimate case <laughs> for a, a lot, like of, eight guys. There's like eight yeah. guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. There's probably a, a shorter list of guys that you like won't be able to make a case for. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that's that's probably the most like interesting award right now because I think um you know one of the reasons I am doing like a, a midseason all pro instead of just a midseason like awards is because most of the favorites are it, it's pretty clear cut, I think. So it's like not really an interesting conversation. The only thing is coach of the year, like is where it really like gets the interesting and you can have a conversation, but we also have half a season to to figure right, right, that right. out. So no, I, I was just saying, yeah, at this point, like, yeah, the one absolutely. thing that's come from every team being kind of equal is that, like, <laughs> you've got the, the, the coaches, they're all glommed up, too. They are, man. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on here. I think one of the other interesting games and, and one of those Coach of the Year candidates is going to be Dolphins-Browns. Um, Dolphins are just doing some fun things, man. Like it just kind of every week. I, I feel like they are either like leading off first and 10 when I'm writing or like they're the number two point just because like there is something that happened in that game that like I really want to dive into and write about. And like, that's just, that's where this offense is right now. It's so fun. Defense is a little bit of a concern. I think they're obviously not going to be facing Justin Fields every week so like that's not a thing that you have to worry about in terms of a quarterback just running on you so i'm i'm interested because when the bears threw last week justin fields only averaged four and a half yards per attempt so it wasn't like there were a couple of of like the really good plays he had the obviously the touchdown to mooney the touchdown to to commit the couple of touchdowns to commit but the the first one was like a a well-designed play Mm -hmm. um and all of that so they had a couple yeah they had a couple of well-designed passing plays but overall the passing game they had shots in the the second half like they got they actually got some defensive stops in that game yeah and they couldn't pass their way back yeah, it, it was just, yeah, it was one of those things where it just, you know, they, they they weren't able to, you know, stop the run in a way. And it's just, I, I'm not sure if that is exactly how we should be judging what this Dolphins defense is going to be, although it hasn't been great throughout the season. But I think if you look at kind of what they're doing on the ground, they have can kind of stop the run a little bit, but then you have 
Browns who are just going to, you know, yeah. run through everybody <laughs> and, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, they just a uh, great offensive line here uh, that's been you know, creating holes. And obviously when you have Nick Chubb, um, it's just good and running through. So like this game might be a, a little closer, but also, you know, the Browns defense still, still a concern and they, they can't still can't really stop anybody uh, through the past. Like this is an, another piece, especially uh, in that secondary that is just like not, not as good as the sum of the parts, right? Like these guys, you know, Denzel Ward, you have Greg Newsom. Like some of these guys are playing like individually well. Um, and like, I just, I just kind of think like they are going to be uh, put in like a, a complete blender with some of the things that, uh, the Dolphins are doing with uh, Hill and Waddle and Tua getting the ball out in, in the way he does. So uh, I, this is going to be a fun matchup. And I think like could potentially, I think if we talk about like coaching and coaching advantages and disadvantages, like the biggest mismatch here is this Miami offensive coaching staff against the Browns defensive coaching staff. <laughs> Joe Barry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, you look at Joe Barry, uh, cover three no, base defense. No, uh, uh, Joe, Joe Woods. Oh, Joe Barry, Woods. I'm sorry. Not Barry Joe Barry. is, uh, uh, is uh, a Packers defense. The Packers. That's also same, same, but, uh, yeah, this, yeah. Same, same tutelage almost. Uh, yeah, sorry. Joe Woods. Uh, yeah, they are a base. They're a base cover three defense. You know, they are seventh in the NFL in cover three to a, the number one rated quarterback against cover three defense. Uh, the dolphins are fun because they are an extremely flawed team, like all around. But if I, you know, if we could quote Jim Irsay, the quartile of, of players that they've got, this just four-way marriage of Mike McDaniel, Tua, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle are just carrying this team. Like it's yeah. so crazy. It's just so crazy uh, because the defense is bad and underperforming. The pass rush is bad. Uh, they are okay at stopping the run. The offensive line, though, still isn't really that much better than like where we left off a year ago. No, um, the no. the ancillary. Yeah. The ancillary pass catchers aren't doing anything. They're not even they're using any of them. The run game isn't even good, right? Like that the old like Shanahan run game, like the like that hasn't been good. It's just that the way they're using Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle has been so incredible, and like no one's been able to slow it down. It's uh, they're fascinating to watch, man. It's amazing to watch this uh this offense work because the ball's going to those two guys. Hell, they'll run the same play like six times in a row. They don't care. Uh, like because they're going to give you a look where it might be the same play, but you have to defend multiple points of the play. And if you know, like I forget who was breaking it down. Was it Dan Orlovsky? I can't remember uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's like, they're going to keep showing you the same look. And it's like, well, what, what element do you take away? And now two is starting to run a little bit more too. Uh, yeah. They're starting to incorporate that a little bit more. Uh, they're really fun to watch. Uh, I, I love watching the dolphins because it's rational coaching, right? Like how many times have we watched a team have, good players and they can't get them the football like it's not the case here uh and it's crazy that this is that this marriage of Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in passing yardage without Tyree Kill and Tyree Kill leads the NFL in receiving yardage without Patrick Mahomes like it's so crazy man to like put those things together but yeah I'm excited to watch this game because the Browns are one of these teams like they they can punch up like they've shown that they'll punch up they, they, they could have potentially beat the Ravens. We saw them just absolutely dog walk the Bengals the last time they were on the field. Like the Browns beating the Dolphins like would not be like something that would give me any type of pause. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of d- depends on how 
I think that passing offense goes a, a little bit like when Amari Cooper is going to have a, a monster game, which they can kind of pull out every, every couple of games. Um, well, remember the last time he faced uh, Xavier Howard and they tried to put him on him. It did not go well. Uh, yeah. And he's, <laughs> a, and that's the thing too, is if Miami, cause their defense has been so bad that they've just been, bl- they're like an empty blitz team, an empty calorie blitz team. Yeah, uh, where they and, don't they don't get home on blitzes and they get crushed on the back end. Yeah, and that's one of those things where I think once you get, you know, Bradley Chubb in there a little more, they can hopefully rush for a little more often, be more productive while rushing for. I think that's you know obviously like the plan eventually. Um, how that goes against you know a, a Brown team that's going to be trying to run you know as much as they can. They're probably not. There's not going to be a lot of straight dropbacks uh, in this game from Jacoby Brissett, right? So we'll see. It's just it, this is an interesting mix, mix of styles and an interesting mix of, of strengths and weaknesses uh, in, in this game, and I think it's it's going to be fun. Um, so. The, the other games on the slate, like Minnesota-Buffalo obviously is like among teams that are good, but we don't know exactly what Josh Allen is going to be, right? Um, he has the, the UCL injury, but he's expected to play through it. Oh, I mean, he did rip off like a, <laughs> like a 70-yard pass, Uh after he did hurt his elbow last game um so maybe it's not not going to affect him that much but he hasn't playing good either though that's that's the other thing <laughs> over the past couple games like it's been like the last six quarters 20 it's like halftime of that packers game the, the interceptions he threw against the jets were like, just the I, first one i don't know what the hell that was it's like the old like madden interception real life so i <laughs> In a, I see the guy there, but I'm not gonna throw it anyway. In a sense, I I understand the first one where you either just like don't see the guy or you're just you're trying to make a throw. I I get that. The second interception, the one he threw to Sauce Gardner, I have no idea what was happening there. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure. Like you could say it was maybe a miscommunication with well, Gabriel Sauce Davis. About it after but, the game, that he 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 kind of baited him into it to kind of sh- try to hit that whole shot. Sure, but like the hole wasn't even there. Like that was the wrong well, hole. There, there's no holes with your Josh Allen, right? But like it, where he was trying to throw, like wasn't even where Gabe Davis was breaking. It's not even like Davis was breaking to the point, and Sauce Gardner like jumped in front of it. Like there was there was no play there. I have no idea what he was doing. I think that the second interception was worse than the first one, um, and I think we we just kind of seen Josh Allen try to make some of those plays again he's just trying to do a little too much if he's hurt does that accelerate that a little bit um that it's going to be kind of interesting to see because now like the vikings are are playing fairly well on defense and they've at least picked it up a little bit like the the first part of the season they just they weren't but the corners are coming on a a little bit patrick peterson has been pretty good uh that pass rush is getting there zedarius smith has been great um so they they have a couple of, of different things clicking there i think it's going to be real interesting on the other side of the ball where I think we we saw the and I wrote about this in first and ten. We saw the immediate impact of what T.J. Hawkinson can do for this offense, right? And he wasn't great, but had um, 
you know, caught all of his targets for what, 70 yards. But what he did was he yeah. was now the underneath option that allowed them to push the ball downfield a little more to, to Justin Jefferson, right? So it just kind of opened it up because now Justin Jefferson didn't have to play that role or they didn't have to overly rely on like Adam Thielen to be that role. So having an actual reliable target that you could use in that underneath area um i think opened up some other pieces of the offense and i think if we can continue to see that develop that is going to make minnesota's passing offense uh a a lot more interesting uh going throughout the season and we might not see you know the like four yard a dot uh that that we've been seeing from kirk cousins throwing like 80 percent of his passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage i think he had the the lowest rate of his passes uh in this game uh, Cousins still isn't playing particularly well, and I, th- I, f- I still find it very hilarious that uh, the Vikings have like the the best record they've had under Cousins while he's actually individually like playing his worst. Because uh, I think you like look at all of these Vikings teams over the past like couple years, and like they're always fine. But then you look at like Kirk Cousins statistically, and he's like a top ten quarterback. And now it's the opposite this year, which I just personally find. Uh, very funny like looking at it but uh you see that clash so like how healthy is matt milano going to be i think he was a big miss uh last week uh against the jets um so i with a whole bunch of things just kind of like not going right for buffalo this might be a more interesting game than than we would think especially when we look at like minnesota as a very flawed seven and one team yeah i mean minnesota has faced one good team and they got absolutely just just smoke by the eagles so like it was definitely it's definitely gonna be a test and if they if it comes against case keenum it's gonna be the same story right it's like they'll be because the, he'll be the fourth backup they they face this year yeah. if he does start uh and even if it's a limited josh out like that built-in excuse is already there right that like you can't if your vikings just keep stacking wins because the packers are gonna keep stacking losses and you just keep this to yourself yeah uh take advantage of that but I, yeah, man, listen, I, we, we had talked about a couple weeks ago about the Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson thing, like how Justin Jefferson wasn't getting deep targets. And man, it was so had I was so just happy to see him downfield, the uh, season high, a dot of 17 yards downfield. Like and he, he left a play on the field that like, I expect Justin Jefferson to make. It's not like it was an easy play for a lot of receivers, but I expect Justin Jefferson to make those plays, but it was just great to see him move down the field. So that is the one element of like adding Hawkinson to this offense can really open some things up here because just none of those guys like KJ Osborne had, had elevated. So that is a huge development for the Vikings offense, because if the offense can still score and I think the offense is, is good, then it won't matter if the defense regresses when they start playing good teams and good quarterbacks, like right. that, that'd be the whole thing scoring points. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about the, the, the Vikings and this proposition of keeping this going. Hopefully it wasn't a one week thing, but uh, I love what I saw from one week of Justin Jefferson actually being used down the field. Uh, this is a dude that was stacking hundred yard games with like a, with one downfield target. Like, yeah, he could do everything. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I think like guys like the largely, I think like Diggs will still ball. I think he'll be fine. But yeah. like the thing is when you remove Josh Allen from the equation here, and I wrote about this, like he, he's accounted for 23 of the bills, 25 touchdowns this year. The other touchdowns are an Isaiah McKenzie, uh, like jet jet sweep run and a, James Cook 28-yard touchdown run that came in garbage time are the other touchdowns that Josh Allen hasn't accounted for. His running the last two weeks has been really the only thing good about this offense outside of throwing to Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Um, 
Gabe Davis has been like, he's just been a ghost the past two weeks. And he is largely a guy that's a flawed receiver. And I'm a big Gabe Davis fan, but like when he faces good perimeter cornerbacks, like he struggles. And we've seen that kind of happen to him the past couple of weeks. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie really hasn't like developed into like an actual wide receiver. So like these, these bills kind of guys around Stefan Diggs, like, we were here with the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, right? Like, who's going to step up outside of Kelsey? Well, we're here, we're here with the Bills, right? They're in a little bit of a rut because these guys aren't playing well uh, and they're not quite getting schemed up as well as they were early in the season. So, like, they've got to get some plays out of these non-Stefan Diggs offensive players. This has gone from a team that adding Odell Beckham would have been a luxury to, like, adding Odell Beckham to this team could unlock some things in the way it did with the Rams Mm -hmm. last year, where I think like it might actually be necessary to add a guy like that. And we don't know exactly, you know, what Beckham is at at this moment, how healthy he's going to be, how effective he's going to be immediately. People are excited that like Odell is just going to be like inserted back as Odell. Right. But like, even if he's, he's not that just like having that presence is something that, this Buffalo offense, I think, kind of needs right they now because they just they don't have that guy at, at this point. Um, and obviously, when you have you have to account for for Josh Allen on the ground, and you know that that bit long touchdown run against the Bill or against the Jets, it's just like well, when you wind up in like a the cover zero look like that they did, and you just like have that open lane like that that was a touchdown like at the snap, like before the ball was snapped like just the way the defense was set up, like you just can't defend in that way. So like they have that going for them, obviously. And like you said, like the, the dig stuff and it's just the, anything outside of that is, is really, it, it's, it's been hard. I they just haven't stepped up in, in the way that we thought. So I kind of think like Beckham has gone from, Oh, that would be fun to add to, uh, you know, this, this very deep team to like, I think they, they really need that element um added to that offense so i think that's going to be very it's something to watch for for the bills going over like the next the couple of weeks because obviously the offense is still explosive when you do have allen and Diggs working at the the peak of their levels if allen isn't a hundred percent um it's that it kind of it slows down you know some of those options even though like a lot of this stuff is well designed you have you know, two of the best offensive players in the league um but what this Bills offense looks like and trying to manage through that and trying to take it to like a, a next level is, um, you know, especially after the past couple of weeks when we just see like what this can look like when there aren't multiple options um, on the field and you are kind to try to like force some things to digs. And I think that's where Allen gets into trouble a little bit. And that's kind of where we have seen uh, some of the, um, just uh, those mistakes that he's made um, looking like 2019 Josh Allen. Like we've, we've seen that for a little bit when I just think like there's not those, those ancillary options that are like open on, on every play, uh, which is the kind of what's been happening in the past couple of weeks. So that that's definitely going to be something to watch uh, for, for Buffalo here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. As we move on here, I'm, I'm not sure there's a game I'm more excited to watch than Colts Raiders. Ha! Ah, it's, it's the, well, everyone, everyone's fascinated. 
Right. It's just it, one of those things. It's a, a 405 Eastern game. It's the only one of those kicking off in that specific uh, time slot. You have the two, you know, 425 games. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this. And it's either it's either going to be an absolute disaster or it's going to be more competitive than we think. And I think like either way, that's going to be a fun thing to to maybe watch. Obviously, the circumstances of, of what have gone into this, like, and you know, we don't have to dive into it too much, but like going to Jeff Saturday after and like passing over either other coaches on that staff that, that could have been able to to do it, or just you know, do you think he called Peyton Manning first? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely i would love to do, I that's the phone call i want to hear like pay its reaction <laughs> they're like I, I don't know man like reggie wayne is like literally a Colts coach like at the, the whole thing is yeah, yeah. i mean john wild. fox is on the staff so you got the, yeah there's so there, there's a part that like you know what like a a gus bradley or a a john fox is which like fine if you want to do something a little different but like the whole like getting out of the the marcus brady thing because then he probably would have been the person like most in line to you know be doing that it's just the the entire cult situation here is it completely messed up and probably leads to you know, so, some other interesting decisions as we get to like whatever the, the next version of the Colts is going to look like and coaching hires. And, and obviously there's been a lot of just the way coaching hires happen uh, yeah. in this league is it's, you know, just it's not very clearly not a very fair process when you look at this. So, man, like it's. I think the the Colts, though, in in a, a sense of like how we have looked at what they've been, like have kind of put themselves here by not and not taking that swing for a quarterback. And like Chris Ballard, like kind of said that at the press conference. Like if I took a swing and well, you know, Chris Ballard and missed, now in retrospect looks really it looks really rough because when you look at where the Colts have spent their draft capital. It's it's they they drafted no like defense like no or no difference makers at all like at positions of leverage right like they've had good draft picks right like Quentin Nelson great draft pick uh, Shaquille Leonard great draft pick but like look at look at the positions where they've used all these like front two end picks on they've taken two what three wide receivers with those picks no quarterbacks obviously uh, one edge rusher uh, one cornerback. There's, they don't, they, they, they didn't allocate any of their real assets to positions of leverage, which has compounded the problem of kicking the can on quarterback. Cause when you didn't kick the, cause you, we can start with quarterback, but what Chris Ballard has done with their actual draft capital from a, a, like what aisles, the grocery store he's shopping in were lost. He didn't do a good job at all. And now that is also coming to a head with this situation and it's all exploding at once. Yeah, and then it's one of the things where you kind of have that, that bit of a curse of hitting on some of those guys, right? Like Quentin Nelson gets the the big contract. Um, Shaq Leonard gets uh, the big extension. So you are 
then uh, taking away like where you can be going. Um, in well, good some players, but when your best right. players are an, uh, an interior offensive lineman and an off-ball linebacker in the, the, the construct of 2022 NFL football, right. good luck. Good luck. Yeah, and then you're obviously there's a, a lot of blame to, to go around for for the Wentz thing, and, and that's obviously I think where the real turning point was for this thing because like we've on this podcast we've defended Philip Rivers uh, and, and that move I like I think that was fine I think the the problem was not having an actual plan after Rivers um, and then trying to go back to that well with Wentz um, and obviously you had you know Frank Reichs standing up for him and that was you know part of the issue but you know always that Phil, philip rivers was a top 10 quarterback uh by epa uh in that offense that year with the colts um so and i can understand their moves up to that point um but then going back to to that well trying to, to fill it in with another vet veteran with wentz we kind of all knew that was going to be a, a disaster uh, and obviously it was, especially for, for the price they paid with it. So it's just one of those things where it's a lot of things that have gone wrong and, like you said, compounded uh, to get the Colts to where they are at this point, where it's just – they when you are looking at a lot of teams here and they just kind of fit into the bucket of, like, where do they even go from here? Like They have no good if, players. They, they're going to have a top five pick. Like, is one of the quarterbacks really going to like turn some things around? Like, well, are they even going to be able to get a quarterback? Well, I, I think they're going to be bad enough that yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, because Houston, Houston is not surrendering. They're 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 not. And that's to that's this. that's one of those things. Also, like you're not you might not even be bad enough to be the worst team in your own division. Um, so, it's, the other thing is, what if they what if they win? What if they win? The, the, listen, two weeks ago, this team played, and they were they basically had the game won. They coughed it up at the end, but they beat the Commanders largely for the entire entirety of that game. Sam, a lot of people have gone to Foxborough and looked like the way Sam Ellinger looked last week. A lot of people, and that's not me saying Sam Ellinger is going to be good. I'm just saying like they were they were going to win the game before that, or like a recent contention of winning. The Raiders. Like this 2022 Raiders team, like they're trying to actively find ways to lose these games. Like this would be the most 2022 Raiders thing, like right to, to come to, to lose to this team that perceivably outside perception is like the Colts are tanking. The Raiders would find a way to lose to a team like that. Like that would be pretty much sum up the experience of what they've had this year watching football. Yeah, this Raiders team is not. It's just it's not good, especially on, on defensive side of the ball. It's it's mm-hmm. real bad. But again, like I don't know if I trust any skill player on the on the Colts to you. Yeah, and that's why I think you look at yeah. the, like Ballard. We we can't give him a pass, man, because like yeah, the quarterback situation absolutely imploded on the the swings that you took with Wentz and Ryan, the veterans. But like, where are the good players outside of quarterback that you've accrued with all these draft picks? And where are they at, like, positions, like I said, of leverage that matter, right? Uh, Their best players are, like I said, that they've drafted for in-house are an interior lineman, an off-ball linebacker, and their their next best player, uh, and maybe arguably their best players, are, uh, you know, a guy you trade for, you traded a first-round pick for for DeVorce Buckner, 
and then uh, the other guy's a running back. So, I mean, from a team building, from a concept of like, how do we successfully build teams that have contractual leverage of positions of need? The Colts have done a miserable job, a miserable job of building this team at the positions that matter. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that once the, the quarterback domino completely fell apart on them, which was kind of probably only a matter of the time it for how they were doing it. It's just, it's, it's tough. Um, and, and it's really showing uh, some of the cracks uh, in this in this roster building, um, which like we, we weren't expecting the Colts to be a good team this year either. Like they were expected to like maybe be the best in a bad AFC South. Uh, and then when you have more cracks and you even like fall below those expectations, that's that's where you see um, that that's where you see it t- turn into like the, the disaster. It is like uh, we don't know like what coaching options are going to be completely open right but like i still think i'd rather take like the panthers job right now than i would the colts like at least there's there's more building blocks there i think like in terms of the roster like you have a dj Moore, you have a brian burns um you, you have a jeremy chin like i would rather take the panthers job if i was it, the the ownership maybe like is a wash between Tepper and and Ursay, right? Like it, neither one of those guys are probably like the ideal person I would want to work for. But I I kind of think there's there's more groundwork laid for like what the next version of the Panthers is than there is the Colts. Like this is yeah, so like they're already I think putting themselves in a disadvantage by like how poorly this is all played out. Yeah, I mean, the best thing you have is that is the division still, you know, wide open. But you say that for the Panthers, too, because once Brady's gone, like that. that the the that, Panthers <laughs> could have been in first place in the division two weeks ago if they won. <laughs> right? Like, that division is just going to be open also. Um, so it's just, it's it's interesting, man. Um, but, I mean, you look at the, the run out here for the Colts. Uh, they have the Raiders this week. Then they play the Eagles the next week. Then the Steelers. But, you know, again, Tomlin. We're going to give definitely a Tomlin team an edge there. Then the Cowboys. Then the Vikings. Then the Chargers. Then the Giants. Then you get the Texans. So the Texans really have to not fall into a win before that Week 18 game. Yeah, we'll see. It, it'll be... This this top of the the draft is is going to be interesting just for for the teams we're we're seeing up there because uh, there are oh, a lot of a lot of teams like we we talk about kind of like the, the middle ground where every a bunch of teams are just fine. Um, there are a couple teams that like really need this offseason to like hit that hard reset here, and like that's obviously where the Colts have have now put themselves. So but yeah, but it's a, this is a big draft game. Cause Raiders sitting at two and six; they're pretty much cooked uh in the afc oh, but without a first round pick like this without doesn't first this round pick. matter for them yeah so ah. like we we have a lot of those teams too yeah because the saints are like yeah. teetering um they keep going back and forth the saints like because that's how glommed up it is like the saints go from like top five pick to like a mid-team pick like every week right yeah <laughs> depending on like one one win yeah it, it is how yeah it is it is absolutely uh, interesting here. So, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, no, no, no. Vegas does have their first round pick. Okay. Sorry, they only gave up the one. 
<laughs> yeah, so Vegas does have they're, – they're sitting three right now. So right now, as we go into it, heading into Week 10, Houston, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Detroit are, are the top five. Oh, yeah, so this is a big draft swing game then. So the Raiders, uh, they, they ideally should want to lose this game, but they, you know – Right, Obviously. and Indianapolis sitting at three, five, and one uh, has the fourteenth pick right now. Oh no, so. they'll be they'll be top five by the time. Like, yeah, I ran but, that schedule off. Like, yeah, by the by the time it goes into it, but yeah, like you said, um, you know, you have a team with three wins is sitting at the fourteenth pick. A team with five wins, the Cincinnati Bengals, is sitting at eighteenth. So, like, that's kind of where we are at, at the bottom of of this right now. So, yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Uh, but I listen. Everyone, you're right though. It's like it's got a it's got train, a car wreck factor, right? Like everyone wants to see what is just going to go on. Uh, and like I said, I would include the Raiders side of that into the equation as well. Yeah, that's what, I think that's what makes it like if they were playing a better team, this wouldn't be all that interesting. But the fact that we do have the Raiders as that team is, and who uh, again, and who I wrote in first and ten, just like can't get out of their own way in in how they're mm-hmm. they're trying to go here. So. That's tough. Yeah, that's a tough one last week. Yeah. As an over better, it was a, uh, a partic- particularly frustrating experience. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how much we want to get into like Cowboys and Packers because it's just, it's the same deal for the Packers that we kind of talk about every week. I did think like it was very funny, like watching the World Series, like which was like two weeks ago, how hard Fox was pushing this game as like a rivalry renewed. Like they were running commercials for a game two weeks in advance between the Cowboys and a team that has been terrible. Um, so I, I don't know if they're they're just like really trying, hoping like people are going to watch this game, obviously. But uh, the yeah, Tony Pollard's playing. <laughs> Is he? Do we? Are we sure? <laughs> are you sure he's not getting uh nine carries uh or nine snaps once uh z comes back well yeah so, the packers are trash the sunday night game is way more interesting than that yeah uh, so that's that's what i was going to get into we had the cow the, the packers are six point home favorites that is all we need to know about the state of where they are uh no home, home, home dogs. dogs yeah that's... Yeah, they're home dog. They're six point home dogs. Like that's like winning Lambo Aaron under Aaron Rodgers. Have they been like? Does the market treated them as such? Yeah, that's all we need to know. It's rough. So let's let's hit this uh, Sunday night game because it is interesting. We kind of like we talked about. Well, is this the game? Are the Forty ers the team that you believe are set? Like that you believe are the team that's going to make like the biggest second half run? I I think they could be. Certainly. Um, I think you, you look at a that healthier defense is definitely going to help, right? Obviously they had that, that started the season where the defense was great, uh, had some injuries, came back. I want to see what this offense looks like after the bye, man. Like we, we saw coming back. Yeah. We're, we're going to get healthier. Um, all like all across and we, we talked about it with, with McCaffrey and like, that is, that's the key to, to all of this, right? It's just like how this offense is now designed around him and not so much to like feature him. Like McCaffrey isn't going to get 30 carries a game. That's not in the way that he's meant to be played, but 
We saw it before the bye, even on plays where he like wasn't involved. Just his gravity of being on the field opened up some other things. Uh, and that game was you know, without Debo. It was without Kyle Juszczyk. Um, and I think like where they're mm-hmm. going to be doing is having that 21 personnel, um, having Juszczyk and McCaffrey on the field. And you can you know run an eye formation from that. You can run empty from that and still have the actual like receiving threat. So the way they move this around, I think, and now you, you have the buy, you have everybody healthy. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see the 49ers as a team that, that's going to make that second half run. Um, just when you see just the, the talent they have all over. Uh, and I think it's going to be structured in a way. And especially it's Sunday night. I just I don't think this is a Chargers defense that's going to be able to keep up with that yeah. uh, no matter what they do. Like, So we talked about it the last week when we looked at the, the Chargers and, and Falcons. Where the Falcons just might, might not throw a pass. Um, and <laughs> unfortunately, like they did. And Marcus Mariota like couldn't hit any deep passes, uh, which it, it's been a real frustrating thing to, to watch some of those like, like open deep passes too. They're, they're like the a, Kyle Pitts experience. Dan has not been fun. Let me tell you. Yeah. As, as a, uh, I have kind of Kyle Pitts on a, on a dynasty team. Um, I have Kyle Pitts on a, uh, the Scott Fishbowl team also. So that, uh, that was a high pick that has not, uh, not panned he out. He had 202 air yards last week and 27 receiving yards. <laughs> it's rough but i think we we kind of saw that this this run defense still can't stop oh God, anyone so like even though we said the mccaffrey thing is not a really about running the ball uh in a sense where like that's not where his main value is going to come adding to the offense but if the Niners want to like line up and run they can do so many different things like the Chargers aren't going to be able to stop them yeah, this is uh, this is not set up here for the Chargers. Chargers, you look at them and it's like they don't. You don't think they're five and three, like when you watch yeah. them. When you watch, they don't feel like a team that's five and three when, when you and watch like, them. So that's another place where like uh, we need to give some credit to, to Justin Herbert because well, I think I yeah he's in first ten also he's doing the, the reverse to a thing right like where everyone bagged to uh, and they're different styles of quarterbacks but like. Everyone was bagging Tua for reasons that didn't have to do with Tua. And now the same things are going on with Justin Herbert. Yeah. So with with a worse quarterback, this is one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, God, the, dude. This, the, oh, my God. The fact God, that it's offense. passable right now. Especially right now, the state it's yes. in. Yeah. With, with the offensive line injuries, with the wide receiver – Oh, what Michael Bandy, DeAndre Carter. <laughs> Michael Bandy's an N- NPC character. Like he's, um, like, like he's not even, he's not even real. Like it, he has fourteen targets. They have fourteen targets to Michael Bandy the last two weeks, and he has twenty-one yards on them. So, the <laughs> fact that this is is a passable offense right now is it just an example of how good Justin Herbert has actually been. Um, you put almost any other quarterback in the league uh, right now. Uh, in this Chargers offense, it's one of the worst in the league, and it looks like an absolute disaster. The fact that it's passable is just kind of highlighting how good Herbert has been. And obviously, like the stats don't don't show it. It doesn't look fun, um, but he's the one keeping this afloat. And it's uh, something eventually has to change. Uh, hopefully, we don't know if they'll get Keenan Allen back or not. It's like he'll practice one day and then it won't feel good the next. So who knows? Obviously Mike Williams is still out. It's, it's not great. So they're 
it was already an offense that was hindering some of what they could do structurally to begin with. Now to throw in the receivers he's throwing to with the offensive line injuries, mm-hmm. it's just it's tough to watch. And the fact they're five and three is is absolutely insane and a testament to how good the quarterback has been playing especially when he spent most of the season with like a cracked rib it's is wild yeah 100 he's definitely taking the heat here uh for the way everything has just crumbled uh around the situation and it's it's gonna be interesting to see if they can stay alive like before they because the offensive line they're not going to get Rashawn Slater back unfortunately uh, they, we hope they get Keenan Allen back. We hope they get Mike Williams back eventually. But you, this run that they are about to go on to, I mean, they're at San Francisco Sunday night. Then they face the Chiefs again the week after that. Then you get, you know, Cardinals Raiders. They're going to have to at least win one of those games. Then you've got Dolphins, Titans. You've got Rams, Broncos left. Because uh, the Broncos are inversely. The Broncos are starting – they're going to start to hit a, a run here where they have a lot of winnable games. And for them, those could not be winnable games. But – uh, yeah, the, the Chargers need to kind of like find a way to stay afloat here because it looks like it could really get south in a hurry. Over the past two weeks, Justin Herbert is 11th in EPA per play among quarterbacks. That that should not be possible. Um, over that stretch, his he's thrown 10 passes to Josh Palmer, 8 to Austin Eckler, 8 to Gerald Everett, eight to Michael Bandy, six to DeAndre Carter. And he is 11th in EPA per play. That's wild. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's it's, it's rough to work with there. And I mean, that and the offense, like, is – and you can see, because even, like, Eckler's getting, like, Boku fantasy stats, but you can see how the offense has even impacted him. Like, he's got, like, career lows across the board, like, everywhere. Yeah. It's just that he gets the football so much and score, is scoring touchdowns, it, it's, like, kind of lost. Cooper Cup's the same way. Like, when you look, like – Everyone thinks that Cooper Cup's having like the same immaculate season. He's been awesome in construct of that Rams offense, but you can even see how bad the Rams have been to Cooper Cup. He's averaged like three yards fewer per catch than last year, like three yards fewer than per target. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can even see like even good players, you can see the impact that like the surroundings are having on them, even though statistically it might not const- show in the counting stats. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's absolutely insane. Um, man. But, yeah, it's going to be rough, though, because it's going to be a lot of Sunday night, everyone watching this game. There's going to be a lot of Justin Herbert tweets, man. Don't believe it. They will, they will be there. Oh, man. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, Monday, the Monday Justin Herbert uh, takes. Not going to be fun. They're going to have a lot of Justin Herbert career record tweets, a lot of, you know, yardage or yards for attempt tweets. It's going to be, it's going to be there. I'm just telling you because you're probably in the same camp as me. Like, they probably aren't going to win this game. No, no, they're not. So, um, but yeah, uh, it, the quarterback play is is not going to be the reason. Uh, I, I can fairly confidently say that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, it's going to be going to be a, a rough one in, in the last days. Last days of Twitter, we're going to go down uh, <laughs> talking about talking about Justin Herbert's career record. Oh man, so there we are. Um, so I think we're going to hear. We don't. We don't have to talk about the, the Monday night nah, game. It's nah, just. Nah, it's good. not. No, we don't have to do that to ourselves. Um, so here we go. Uh, we'll end the show here. Then uh, we now have um, 
weekly fantasy packages uh, for you guys at the site. If you are interested in uh, getting into uh, Rich's worksheet and all of that, and you haven't signed up for a season long package, you can now do that uh, for weekly packages throughout uh, the end of the season. Uh, we're getting ready for, you know, the, the playoffs and, and some DFS stuff, obviously helpful for, for all of those things. So uh, you can find that at sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find all of our work there. Uh, also, you can find uh, the worksheet, you can find DFS stuff, you know, everything we've been doing, uh, all at the website, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find Rich on Twitter, at Ward Reeves. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.